Welcome to the Get Your Donut Podcast. We're here to exchange our consumeristic Christianity for a life fully surrendered to Christ, and to never let our faith be as simple as grabbing coffee and a donut in the lobby. Let's do this. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You've been on a few times. Every time uh, has been a blessing, and we're just excited to to have you back today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Noah. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. I know that each time, each time I've uh, been on here, and you've asked me to to be on here, it's always I always feel like I learn more just by getting to prepare for it and stuff like that. So glad to be here. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I feel like every time we've hit. And on on the Zoom call, I've walked out like, man, that was what I needed to hear <laughs> this yep. week. And and uh, I love how God uses those conversations. Uh, where today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, small churches. We're we're kind of in the middle of this <clears throat> series on what it looks like to find a church and be a part of a church. Um, and so last week we talked about uh, with Derek Brandt about mega churches and what a mega church, what a healthy mega church, I guess, could look like. Uh, and so this week we want to talk a little bit about. Uh, small churches and and what a healthy small church might look like. But before we do that, um, why don't you just remind our listeners a little bit about who you are? Maybe just briefly kind of introduce yourself again. Uh, you've been on a couple times, but just give us a, a little reminder about where you are and 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 what you do. Yep, I uh, I'm a associate pastor in Carpinteria, California, at uh, Family Baptist Church, and am almost done with seminary at the Southern Baptist Theological seminary and I'm married uh, with my wife Catherine and we've got four boys under seven and um yeah so we're we're trekking on and and enjoying the stuff that we're doing we're involved in a variety of different different things it is a smaller church so we do a lot of in smaller churches you kind of wear uh different hats a but it's all, hats, all yeah. good things <laughs> totally totally I uh I think we joked about this on one of the podcasts before, but it's like in the job description where there's like the the line that's like, you know, you have all your responsibilities and other duties assigned by the pastor. Yeah. That is yeah. like, I feel like small church ministry in a nutshell is like, <laughs> it's mostly just and other duties assigned by <laughs> the pastor. <laughs> yes. No, I, uh, I had someone, we were currently hiring a, uh, a worship leader at our church right now. Okay. And we have that line at the end of our application. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he called me the other day. He's like, what does that mean? And I was like, well... It's kind of just there. It's kind of like a catch-all thing. It's kind of hard to explain. So. Yeah, it means you're applying to work at a small church. <laughs> um, no, that's great. That's good. Um, hey, right, right before we jump in, we could just do this uh, in the beginning. The last, uh, including this episode, the last three episodes have been on church, um, kind of like de- helping us develop maybe a, a good ecclesiology, if you will, looking at what it looks like to choose a church to uh, to understand what the church should look like and how it takes its its forms. And so I thought I'd just ask you if there's any books or resources that you might recommend to our listeners about church, ecclesiology, choosing a church, anything like that, that you might recommend before we get into our conversation. Yes. So uh, three books that I have found really helpful and have uh, framed a lot of my uh, thoughts um, outside of the Bible on, on the church is there's one called Sojourners and Strangers, and it's the the little subtitle is the doctrine of church mm-hmm. by a guy named Greg Allison. And, uh, he was one of my, uh, professors at the Southern seminary. And, um, so that one's really helpful. Uh, there's another one that's not specifically about, um, like choosing a church or anything like that, but, uh, there's a guy named Jonathan Lehman yeah. who wrote a really tiny little, I think it's only like 50 or 60 pages about understanding the congregation's authority. That's the title of it, understanding the congregation's authority. And it is just about when you're more talking about like church governance and stuff like that. And yeah. um, what type of uh, what type of church structure and leadership is a biblical church structure and leadership. And that's really helpful. That was yeah. helpful for me. And then the last one, which was a really good read, was um, a book called When the Church Was Family by mm-hmm. a guy named Joseph Hellerman. And the mm-hmm. title is pretty self-explanatory, but yeah, um, I really enjoyed that one too. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think uh, those are all going to be really helpful. I'm adding them to my reading list right now. Uh, good luck. I haven't, haven't heard of them, but they just sound so good. 
the one the one that I would throw out there too that I read I had to read in college was called Why We Love the Church by uh, mm-hmm. Kevin DeYoung, mm-hmm. um, and I I remember really liking that one uh, as well. But I'm excited to to get into those. Um, but before we kind of get into the ins and outs of small churches, if you will, let's let's first look at just basic foundational kind of what is the church? Uh, maybe Dave, you can help us understand a little bit uh, where you're coming from as we start to talk about the church. Uh, what what is what do you mean when you're talking about that? Where do you think we see that uh, in Scripture? What are some of those defining factors uh, that help us qualify what a body of Christ is? One of the joys of doing like a little series like this with with multiple people is that mm-hmm. um, I know you guys all individually. You guys don't know each other, but I know you individually and know that you know, generally we all land in the same ballpark as far as what we feel the biblical like definition and, and uh, you know, qualifications for a church would be, but right. you guys are all going to kind of naturally hit on different parts of that. So uh, Aaron's done this, Derek's done this, but I'd love for you to just speak a little bit to, uh, you know, what, what the church is, where do we see that in scripture and help us understand where you're coming from a little bit. That'll kind of frame our conversation as we talk more about specifically small churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first thing I think about is uh, the the birth of the church in Acts chapter two, and um, right after Pentecost, when um, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, the Holy Spirit comes and uh, Peter preaches his first uh, sermon, and at the end of it, uh, we have people who are responding to the gospel and. Um, so that's kind of the first place that I think of, because then it says, yeah. I was going to, I'll talk about this in a little bit as well, but um, at the very end of that in chapter two, um, or I'm sorry, in, yeah, in chapter, in chapter two, uh, verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, after Peter shared the gospel, they were cut to the heart and mm-hmm. said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And at the very end of that, in verse 41, it says, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Hmm. And the question, I mean, the, the implication there is added to something. And that is yeah. the uh, the first local church, and it you know, starts off right after that in verse 42 about them devoting themselves to the apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread, the fellowship, the prayers and to one another. And so that's what I think about when I think of the creation of the first church. Yeah. Um, but to try to summarize all of that, I'm I'm not going to be very original. I'm going to pass on a definition to you that was given to me that's by uh, Greg Allison, which I find to be a helpful, a helpful little starting point. And he says, the church is the people of God who have been saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and incorporated into his body through baptism with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So um, I think there's a lot of different components of that, but I think that would be a, a good starting point when we're talking about the church. Yeah, no, I think that I love that definition. It's it's helpful for me to, to remind, I mean, we even talk about this sometimes at our churches, but to remind us that the church is actually the people of God. It's not uh, the building. It's not the brand. It's not the organization. Uh, It's the, it's the bot, the gathering of the people Yeah, Uh, that, that is uh, the church. And that's always, it it might even feel like cliche at sometimes to say that, but when you think about what that actually means, uh, I think even if you just spend a minute and, and think about that for me, it's, it's kind of convicting every time I think about that Mm. uh, to remember like, okay, no, the church is, is the people of God. It's not, right. you know, the building we're at. It's not, uh, again, the the company or organization itself. It's it's the people uh, who've been saved. I think that's that's a really helpful way uh, to frame that. And I love how you point that out. <clears throat> that at the end of uh, verse forty one in in Acts chapter two, uh, it says there were added that day about three thousand souls. I think you're yeah you're spot on. They had to be added to something and you see that they're talking uh, about the church. And I think that points to uh, as well, the importance of us being involved in a church that from, Mm -hmm. from the very beginning uh, of, of, you know, people who were following Jesus, there's this uh, involvement and belonging to, uh, to the church. Uh, That's like, they were added to that. There wasn't, 
uh, you know, this, this, we're just kind of doing our own thing that everybody's uh, involved in, in what's called the church, especially in the beginning as it's forming and shaping. And we, we think that that uh, everybody should be involved in a, in a church now as well uh, for those who, yeah. who follow Jesus. Yeah. You know, and, and just to kind of continue, continue on a little bit with that is um, I think it's helpful to be able to see um, in, you know, just the progression of when it talks about numbers and in Acts four. So the first part, it says that 3000 were added and in Acts chapter four, starting in verse four, it says, but many of those who had heard the word and believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. And so I think what you see by when you start tracking through those is that there was actually a, uh, you know, this is a small case for church membership that I'm giving here, Yeah. but yeah. Um, a, a record of people who are uh, who are being added to the church and the specific yeah. number of people that they're, you know, keeping track and things like that. And uh, there's other things that we can talk about as far as like um, this a little farther on, I think when I was going to mention this, but um, in Acts chapter uh, 20, you know, you've got Paul who's talking to the church in Ephesus, their elders before uh, the last time that he's going to see them. And he talks about them being made um, uh, overseers. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so you start to see the structure form yep. throughout the book of Acts of a clear defined structure with roles of pastors and elders and deacons and things like that, but that it's assumed in what Paul's saying there, that the overseers of that church know who they're responsible for. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that talks, so we, you know, could talk a little bit about church membership and things like that. But, yeah. um, I, I think that those are kind of important things when you're thinking about what is the church and, and, um, yeah. And, and all of those things. So, yeah, no, I, I agree, uh, agree completely if the church is is the like this gathering of the people of god uh that that implies relationship mm -hmm. uh with everybody that's there if if right. you think about it as like i mean even the name of that book you mentioned when the church was family like if you think yeah. about it as a gathering of of a body of a family of people mm -hmm. that kind of changes you know that that requires that there's relationship and that we know each other it, it especially yeah. requires that those who are you know given a, a position of oversight would know who they're responsible for, would know, you know, who they're, who they're caring for, would know, you know, the needs that they're trying to meet as well as right. the, you know, the people they're trying to shepherd. But it also, in my mind, implies that like the people would know each other as well. If this right. is, you know, if we're gathering often as, as the church, as, as the people of God who've been saved, then we should know each other. And, and that kind of tags along, honestly, with a lot of what we're talking about on the show as we try to combat this like com consumeristic mindset um, because it, it changes our view of, of, you know, Sundays, if you will, from like an experience to, uh, you know, a gathering of, of people who are here to worship God together, as opposed right. to, you know, what, what type of experience am I searching for on a Sunday? Uh, you know, as opposed to this is like the group of people that I'm gathering for worship and fellowship with, yeah. uh, on a Sunday. And so, uh, before we, we get again, even deeper into where a small church might fall in line, I think we kind of see where we're going with that. Let's just take one more minute on just the church, uh, generally and talk about maybe the difference between like Sunday morning and throughout the week. Cause if we have the church defined as, uh, you know, the people of God who've been saved, uh, through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ incorporated into his body through baptism with the Holy spirit, like there's nothing in there about, uh, that this is only the church on Sundays at 1030. Uh, this, the church is the people of God, whether they're there on Sunday or whether they're not. So maybe we could talk just for a minute about what is the difference between like when we gather uh, and throughout the week when we're out just kind of living our lives. How how can we kind of think about the church in that way? Yeah, I think um, that's a good question. I, I think that, you know, you when you talk about that, you you kind of have to first maybe define the difference um, between a local church and a universal church, mm -hmm. universal church being, you know, all believers of all time. But in scripture, there's no, uh, 
outside of there's a, there's a couple references in Ephesians, but anytime it talks about the church, it's it's mostly talking about gathered local churches, and so local churches are those people who have uh, who have been saved and have repented and trusted in Christ, and then now commit themselves to a specific group of people to do a specific uh, set of things. So one of those things, when you're thinking about um, uh, of the local church, one of those parts is gathering to hear the word of God preached. Hmm. You know, you see that a little bit even in in um, that very beginning in Acts chapter 2, when uh, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is essentially just Christ's teaching handed down to the apostles. And then we we carry that on yeah. uh, as uh, whoever's, you know, got the responsibility of preaching and teaching and things like that. We're not preaching any different doctrine, hopefully not preaching any different doctrine than what Christ handed down to the apostles. Yeah. And so there's a place for uh, the preaching of God's word. Um, and we see that all throughout, uh, all throughout scripture, um, which primarily, I think when you think of the preaching of God's word, uh, we think of the context of a morning service. So there's specific yep. things that we do then when we gather, it's all for the building up of the body of Christ and things like that. But I think that you, you know, when, um, you know, you talk about the difference between that and the rest of the week is that uh, we don't stop being the local body of Christ after Sunday. And, you know, you even see that again in Acts because it says that, you know, day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking uh, bread together in their homes and receiving their food with glad and generous hearts. And -hmm. the Lord kept on adding to their number those who were saved. So, you know, there's different um, I guess I would say different components or aspects of the life of a follower of Christ. Part of that is getting together that day of the week and hearing the word of God preached and to sing together and to pray yeah. together and encourage one another. Um, but there's also a pattern of life for the believer uh, throughout uh, scripture where it's, you know, it's not just intended to be a, a Sunday morning thing, but that it, you know, it continues on as this is our life. It's not, it's not just something that we do on Sunday, but it's who we've become. Yeah, man, I, I love the way that you said that. Um, and it reminded me of that definition that you gave, uh, in the beginning that when we're saved through repentance and faith in Jesus, we're incorporated into his body Mm -hmm. and that, that phrase being incorporated into his body, uh, to me made me think like there's something that kind of changes about the way that we do life because we've now been incorporated into the body of Christ. And uh, if we try to boil that down to just giving God, you know, this hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning, and then live the rest of our week as if, uh, you know, we weren't a part of that body. That's not really, uh, you know, the design or the understanding of the church that we would have, but rather once we're saved, you know, in, in Jesus, we're, we're a part of that body uh, every day. And, right. and how that, how that plays out every day might be different. You know, like my Tuesday uh, interaction with the body of Christ might be different than my Wednesday interaction with the body of Christ. But on right. Tuesday and Wednesday, I am a part of the local body of Christ to Auburn, California. Right. Um, and, and that kind of changes maybe my mindset uh, a little bit, especially when we think about, you know, Sunday morning on a simple level and maybe, maybe disagree and that's okay. But on a simple level, like, we're just, we're just gathering together. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what makes it different mm-hmm. is that we're doing these things together, if mm-hmm. you will. But like every day we should, we ought to be, you know, worshiping and praying and spending time with the Lord. And those are like things that we do throughout the week uh, and spending time with Jesus. And then like we come together on Sunday and we, and we do those things together and and somebody preaches and we, we hear the word of God and we pray together. Um, but that, and that's what makes Sunday different. But sometimes we kind of we leave out the rest of the week, if you will. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I do this all the time where I just, I expect like the the spirituality of Sunday to just carry me throughout the week until the next Sunday. Right. Uh, and I, and I forget that like, I know I'm a, I'm a part of the church every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether that's, you know, having dinner with another family from the church or like we talked about on our, on our last episode together, getting to know our neighbors and sharing the gospel with them. Like it, yep. it can look different every day, but all of those things are kind of part of what we do uh, as, as the local church uh, in our, in our communities. Um, yeah, so yeah. It, 
go where if you were going to say something go ahead the reinforce said of the um it's just the the um there's that uh that book that i mentioned joseph hellerman uh, yeah. one of the things that he wrote that stuck out to me in that book is that salvation is a community creating event hmm. in other words god never saves someone into isolation but always and we may have even said that before but he it you know he intends to place that person into a family and you think of all the different images that god gives for uh for the body of christ in yeah. scripture and family yeah. referring to each other as brothers and sisters uh even you know jesus you know saying uh you remember that i forgot exactly where it was where uh his family members were looking for him and he said who is my family the one that does the will of god Yep. And the even priority or emphasis on um, the close, closer relationships in terms of the unity that we have with one another is greater with the body of Christ than even with our own family, yeah. which is a pretty, uh, a pretty radical thing to say. Yeah, no, I, I that, that passage, uh, you know, or that verse that Jesus says always reminds me of the other one too. And maybe they're close to each other. Maybe they're not. But when he says, you know, whoever does not hate his own brother or mother right. or sister or father cannot be my disciple. And obviously mm -hmm. he's, he's not uh, exaggerating so much as to say that, like, if you're not willing to leave behind that family to be a part of, you know, to follow what we're doing, like, yeah. you're not going to make it. He's kind of yeah. talking about counting the cost there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but part of why he's able to say that too, is because when you are willing, when you leave that community behind, like you, you enter into this new family mm -hmm. um, and whether you're, you know, your earthly family comes with you uh, or not, there's, there's kind of passages all over scripture that talk about, uh, you know, the, the closeness of community that can come from, uh, you know, being saved into like this faith family, as opposed to, you know, waiting on, you know, your, your bloodline, if you will, if that's, if right. that happens to be your, your situation, but right. With, right. with with a lot of that in mind, because I think this is this has framed our conversation pretty well to remember that like the body of Christ is is the people who've been saved. Uh, and on Sundays we gather together, and that's typically what we think about when we use the word church, but mm -hmm. church also refers to, you know, just the the group of people that that worship together on a Sunday morning or or that, you know, all follow Jesus uh, you know, in the same area throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Um, if we have that in mind. Um, what I want to do is shift our conversation a little bit more uh, specifically to uh, where a small church might fall in line with these things, because uh, there are some strengths. I, I, every church, small, medium, large, they all have you know strengths, they all have weaknesses. More than that, which is which is what we've talked about offline already a little bit, uh, is that we want to be careful not to like apply. Uh, you know, a one size fits all to all small churches or, or, right. you know, like a generalize all mega churches as shallow or whatever it might be. Like we, I have these tendencies to think about churches in groups and just assume that like all mega churches are kind of the same and have the same pitfalls. And while there might be like some truth to, you know, mega churches being, uh, you know, uh, perceptible to certain weaknesses, that doesn't necessarily mean that every gathering, uh, you know, of five to 10,000 Christians falls short in the same area or that right. every gathering of one to 200 Christians falls short in the same area. And so uh, we want to talk about what some of the strengths of a small church could be. Uh, but for those of you listening, we're, we're talking about small churches, but what I hope that you guys will hear is that we're, t we're talking about like healthy churches and, and that might be a small church. It might be a medium church, might be a, a large size church. Um, but any of these things we would hope could be, could be true in, in any of those contexts, if that makes sense, but we're going to use kind of small churches to talk about them. Does that, is that fair, Dave? You think I like framed that? Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think that when, you know, when we originally talked about, uh, like when you asked me if I wanted to be the defender of the small churches, <laughs> um, I, you know, the first thing that I, that came to my mind is like, well, I don't think. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a defender in the small churches in the sense that like, I think churches should be small because I think that, you know, I think that's sure. what you and I talked about is that sure. actually small churches should be laboring for other people to come to Christ and to not be smaller anymore. Yeah. Like our goal, my goal being part of a smaller church right now is not to stay small. Right. Uh, you know, you right. want, you want, uh, other people to be, uh, uh, 
experiencing uh, salvation and the new birth and then being added into, into your local church. So yeah, yeah, no, I think that that's, I think that, that what you said was, was good. Okay. Well, perfect. Then with, with kind of that in mind, uh, Dave, what do you think? What, what might be some of the strengths of a small church when it comes to kind of fulfilling this kind of ecclesiology that we've been talking about? Um, okay. Well, the first thing that came to my mind is, um, strengths in, um, if we're called to serve and love one another. So we've got, you know, basically what we were talking about as far as devoting ourselves to Christ and to one another. Yeah. So if we're called to love and serve one another, being brothers and sisters in Christ, then you have to know, you have to know one another, kind of like what you mentioned already. Yeah. And, um, so I would say that some would say, again, I'm, I'm being careful not to be advocating for uh, either smaller church or or um, a larger church, but some people say that it's they find it easier to be known at a smaller church and mm. easier to get plugged in at a smaller church than it is for them to get plugged in at a really big, uh, really big church. So one of the strengths could be um could be that um in terms of getting to know one another to love and serve one another and things like that uh that it could be a little bit easier at a at a church with sure. relatively fewer people yeah yeah i think i think that's definitely one of the strengths uh or i guess yeah we're saying could could be one of the strengths for sure i think is when you show up on a you know if you're there on a sunday and every week that you're there, you see kind of the same group of familiar faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that can be encouraging in the sense that you feel like you have this opportunity to to get to know maybe not everybody, but at least a good majority of the people that uh, you're worshiping with. Where yep. somebody some might say that you know if they show up at a at a large church week after week, they could sit in the same spot week after week and and see completely different people every week, and and maybe feel that uh, it's difficult to to get to know each other, which which yeah leads to what you're saying would would make it difficult to serve and love one another uh, if if we're having a hard time developing those those kinds of relationships again we're, right. we're kind of talking in the hypothetical could be but yep. <laughs> yeah yep. keep keep going uh, the second thing that i was thinking about was um being shepherded so yeah. uh if pastors and elders are given uh the responsibility and are called by God to um, equip the body of Christ and to help them to employ their gifts uh, uh, with a focus of learning and um, growing in the ability to share the gospel with other people and winning other yeah. people to Jesus. Um, some people say that there could be more of an opportunity uh, to be shepherded in a more intentional way at a, at a smaller church. And yeah. that's just, you know, with the, with the, um, logistic challenge of if there's more people, then there's, well, hopefully there's more pastors and elders that are be able to do that. Right. But smaller church, for example, when I, when I was a kid, my mom took me to a bigger church and, um, I never met the pastor. I never met him one time. And, um, it was a great church still. Um, uh, there was other avenues that my mom specifically was able to get plugged in and and things like that and be shepherded and all of that. Yeah. But I myself never met never met the pastor. It wasn't until I was in college where I actually had a personal relationship with with a pastor of of a church. So if you're right. at a smaller church, you might have the opportunity to be able to get to know um, the pastors and elders who God has called to to shepherd you. So we right. you know, think about, again, Acts 20, what we were just talking about, about the uh, shepherds and the elders of the church in, in Ephesus that Paul said that they had the responsibility to shepherd the flock that was among them. Yep. And, um, you know, same thing with First uh, Peter chapter 5, when Peter was uh, telling the shepherds of those scattered churches to be uh, or scattered believers to um, exercise willing oversight over the church and and things like that. So, so in it just seems to me that God has established a, a pattern where He gives overseers to care for and equip His church, which He purchased, 
And so I guess the question that you ask yourself in trying to, you know, determine which church you're going to is, you know, do your overseers know you and um, do you have the ability to be able to, uh, you know, get to know them and, and things like that? Because it seems like that's a pattern that God establishes for the church. So it seems like it would be important. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. We, I just uh, a couple of weeks ago did an episode on kind of walking through some of Ephesians four mm-hmm. uh, and Ephesians four lays out, you know, that uh, there's one body, one Lord, one father, one spirit. And then it kind of yeah. goes on and says, but each of you have been given a gift, you know, due to, due to Christ's generosity. Yeah. Uh, and then it says, you know, a couple of verses later that he gave apostles, shepherds, teachers, evangelists, like kind of those people that we would think of as like church leaders now right. uh, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Right. Uh, you know, and he goes on, you know, building up in unity and knowledge of Jesus and maturity of faith to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Yeah. And when you read that and you think about, you know, does my church do this? I think that you have to ask this question. Uh, about whether or not you know your your pastor or your elders uh, are she- are shepherding you uh, to equip you to employ your gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. Right. I think that's where a lot of people uh, would say. Again, we're we're being careful to be hypothetical, but that's where a lot of people yeah. would step in and say that that there's an opportunity for small churches to do this better uh, because you know instead of uh, pastoring a couple thousand people, maybe you're pastoring a couple hundred people. Right. And, and it might be easier to, you know, recognize people's gifts and spend time with them to help them to uh, be equipped or see how to use those gifts. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, the re- the response that a mega church would give and 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 it would be well well done to do this would be that well we have the opportunity to to have more pastors, right? And so right. Uh, they they would say, you know, maybe it's even. But I think I think a lot of people, as you were as you were talking, you know, would feel. Maybe more shepherd or like you have a better chance for a one-on-one relationship with a pastor in a smaller church setting than you do right. uh, somewhere else. And and there's nothing like in scripture per se that says you have to have a one-on-one relationship with your pastor in order to have right. the life abundant to the full. Like, but but there is value to that, and we see that you know overseers are called to to know the know their flock and to help equip them and push them. And I think that we see that we can see that done really well in a, in a smaller church setting because there's just more capacity to, to know a greater percentage of the body, I think. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it, yeah, I think you, what you said is important. It's, it's not specifically about, you know, knowing one past or anything like that. It's just that is, are you being shepherded? Yeah. Is there, you know, ideally, you know, there, there should be one, there should be more than just one pastor or one elder with the ability and the gifting that um, God has given them to be able to shepherd and care for the needs of, of the church. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the senior pastor per se or anything like that. And everyone thinks about that differently, but it's just the importance of, are you being, are you being shepherded? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, I see you got uh, a couple other things here. So let's, okay. let's move on to the next one. So the other thing that I was say is uh, church discipline. Now, this is probably would be a good one for you to to do a whole a whole yeah. uh, a whole <laughs> yeah. session on or a podcast Seriously. on because even even saying it, it kind of could scare people. But church discipline really is is one of the greatest gifts uh, to the body of Christ. And you know, a lot of times when we think of church discipline. We think of that final stage when someone is is counted as not showing the fruits of the gospel and and not being a, a believer, and therefore needing the gospel yeah. and being put out of the church. We think of that stage, but when Jesus talks about church discipline in Matthew eighteen, the first thing he talks about is you know going one on one with a with um, to uh, another brother who's either sinned against you or you have an offense against or something like that. And then if that doesn't work, then going with another person. And what the picture of that is, is just, again, the picture of the importance of uh, our relationships with one another yeah, exactly. and our willingness to love uh, uh, other brothers and sisters who have fallen into some sort of pattern of sin in their life, loving them enough, just letting them go. Yep. And um, unfortunately there is, you know, all of us know the, the stories of someone who was, 
uh, a professing follower of Christ, attending church, um, seeming like they were, um, you know, had uh, the presence of the spirit in their lives. And then all of a sudden they fall off the face of the earth, it seems, and then are no longer going there anymore. And, but why I take so much comfort in church discipline is because when a, when church members commit one another, I am willing to and willing to go out of my to um, go and pursue that brother or sister who has, um, you know, seemingly fall, fallen away. And, um, and I want that in my own life. I want brothers and sisters yeah. who are going to come after me if I'm not living in accordance with the gospel, because the most important thing is our relationship with Jesus. And so I'm bringing this up in the context of this conversation because um, it's kind of connected to the others that in yep. a smaller church, again, because more people, you also have probably, um, you know, you could have an access to greater accountability and, and people just knowing your lives and stuff like that. But again, that's, that's available in larger churches that are doing yeah. this well. Again, I think the, the, you know, when you're thinking about choosing a church, just the presence of of having procedures for church discipline is one of those is one yeah. of those marks that's really important. Yeah, they have the the measures in place, like the the practice, if you will, like we know what we would do in this right. situation. Uh, but then you also have the, you know, are is this actually like a practical expectation? Like, do the people in this church know each other well enough? Right. Yeah to where we will input the practice when it's necessary yep. because we actually find out that somebody's having an affair or we find out that, right. you know, these sorts of things are happening. I remember two, two quick stories on <clears throat> church discipline, just because that these were like unique experiences for me, but my yeah. family was on vacation uh, in Idaho one year. And I can't remember in Idaho or driving there, but we, we went to church uh, somewhere along the way. It was probably like a, a small to medium sized church. And we get there and, Obviously, we had no idea. We'd never been to this church before. It was, it was a great church, but they it was like a day of church discipline for them. And they stopped right. what uh, like the service that they were going to do. You probably remember me telling you the story like when I was in high school, Dave, but mm-hmm. they the whole service was, you know, like the pastor came up or, you know, I forget exactly the details, but they they brought up somebody in the church who had been, you know, living in, in basically unrepentant sin. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there was an affair going on between two of the church members and and they they said you know as as of today like we've like suspended their membership if you will like they we've yeah. we've made various attempts to to call them out of sin and they've refused to change and so we just want to let you guys know that for the moment until there's repentance like yeah. they're no longer members of this of this body yeah uh and again I, this this deserves at least a whole episode if not more because yeah. there's so much there but this like when i was sitting there no, nobody in the room that I could tell felt like this was like, you know, a drastic or unfair measure taken by the church. Right. But rather it felt like this was the picture of grace and like caring about these people that the church should take. It was said, you know, we've met with them multiple times. We've pleaded with them. We've prayed with them, these sorts of things. The last step for us to do and is to hopefully to shock you back to repentance and following Jesus is to say that if you're going to live like this, you can't be a part of this body anymore. Uh, and, well, that and was, I think that like, you know, ahead. just in just thinking about that as it's such a grace, because that's what sin does to us. And all of us right. have been in these stages where sin desensitizes us. Exactly. And in the more that you do it, the more desensitized that you get to a particular sin or a sinful yep. lifestyle or something like that. And I have heard stories where people will come out of a, you know, an experience with church discipline. It doesn't even have to mean that, that it went to the extent of having to remove someone from the church, Sure, sure. but, but where they, where they will say that church discipline saved their life yep. and the reality that we don't have many people in our lives who are willing to walk with us through that other than, you know, like yeah. Yeah, the other alternative is just to let someone go. And that's not very loving either. No, no, it's not. So anyways, I think those are, those are important. Those are important things. And, and those really are, you know, are graces to each person who's a member of a church. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the, 
when I, when I was in college too, I was interning at a church. Uh, this is just a wonderful church uh, down by Biola. And they had an instance of church discipline going on where it was, it was slightly different in the sense that they were actively meeting with, uh, you know, I think it was a, a man who was either wrestling with, with pornography or an affair or something like that. And they were actively meeting with him and there was like desire and longing to, to repent and to change. Uh, right. And so they didn't remove him as a member. And it was something that like it, it was a beautiful, like he was coming back to God, if you will. Yeah. But they, they, you know, out of, like, I guess, reverence for, for that time and for the gathering, they, they had asked them, you know, like to not participate in communion until there had kind of been some life change. And so, you know, Hey, even there's, we know that there's this desire to change and this desire to come back. You're a part of this body, right. And we, and we, you know, you're welcome to continue to worship with us and gather with us, but until there's, we see some, some kind of evidence that, that this desire is real, you know, they asked them to kind of withhold, uh, from communion and, and gosh, that, that to me too, like just being in college and watching that happen made me feel like that, like, that's what we all need at times is kind of what you're saying is like, as we get desensitized to the sin and and whatnot in our lives, we, we need those reminders. We need those people to, to remind us like, no, like th- this actually does matter, right? Like this yeah. is, this is affecting you. This is, you know, not good for you. It is affecting your family and the people around you. Uh, and because we care about you, because we know you and our, and our church setting allows for us to know you and to care for you and your family, this is, this is what we're going to, you know, as your church leaders seek, we're seeking to help you by kind of implementing some of these things. So I think that right. kind of bring, brings it back again to what we've been saying. Uh, a lot of kind of the theme through some of these things is just the, the, the practicality of, of being known yeah. Uh, by by the people who are in authority, if you will, of the church mm-hmm. and whatnot, by the people who uh, are are shepherding and practicing church discipline and loving and serving and caring, uh, you know that idea of are are we known by those people? Do we know those people? Uh, are we kind of living in relationship in those ways? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No. Those that and yeah, we got to do an we got to do an episode on that. But we the um. <laughs> not even just with the leaders, but also again, then you, we can start talking about church membership. Yep. And because yep. a lot of the, the church's authority, Christ gives his authority to the, to the congregation and hmm. talk about Matthew 16 and 18 and yep. the responsibility that members have uh, towards one another, not just with the leaders and in, in those types of things, but the to responsibility to one another to uh, care enough about them to, you know, have hard conversations and to continue to encourage people and, and all of that. So, yeah, no, that's good. No, I agree. I agree completely. I think, yeah, we definitely will do a church discipline episode, church membership. These are some really important things that uh, we should be talking about. Dave, I've I've kept you like even a little longer than I was planning to, which I feel like kind of always happens as we just get talking, but it's because I talk too long. No, no such thing. It's my fault. It's certainly not your fault. I (laughs) am a verbal processor to the, to the core. So, uh, but, but I I do want to hit quickly on, on maybe some of the weaknesses that a small church might show, uh, cause these are important too. And, and again, like we, we both love the church. We both are working in churches. And so our, our goal is not to, to sit here and bash churches, but uh, it is important to recognize that that our churches can have uh, you know unhealthy parts or healthy parts or strengths or weaknesses, and so we yep. want to just take a minute to talk about what what are some of the weaknesses of a smaller church model, but uh, or I guess I should say potential weaknesses of a smaller church model, yep. uh, and then we can just go right into that last part too, which which might lead into some of the telltale signs of like of an unhealthy uh, versus a healthy church. If okay. you're looking for a church. What are some of those telltale signs? But let's start with maybe the we- the potential weaknesses of a, of a smaller church model. Okay, I'll go quick on this. Great. So first thought is, what is the reason? Why are they small? Yeah. Are they small because they're unwilling to fulfill the Great Commission? Yeah. Like in other words, is there no focus on evangelism and outreach? Um, that is a question that I think that we all have to ask that my church we have to ask is being a yeah. smaller church are we focusing at all on sharing the gospel with people outside of these four walls yep um so that's a potential thing to ask um second would be are is the church 
stuck in old ways and not willing to remove remove obstacles to the gospel that are not the gospel. Oh, yeah, so good. the the difference between doctrine and distinctions uh, or distinctives, I'm yeah. not talking about being flexible on doctrine or beliefs or anything like that, but like, you know, you think of things like not being willing to, you know, change the clothing that, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. wearing tuxedos or whatever it is yeah. or musical preference in the terms of like, not lyrics of a song, but like the, um, you know, the way that a song is played in the style. The style like yeah. That. So yeah. just those types of things, is there an unwillingness to change in those ways? And then lastly, I would just say, and I know this from personal experience that, uh, I think that in a smaller church, you often feel, you know, pressed for volunteers and finding people to volunteer in certain ministries or whatever. Yeah. And what that could result in is either burning out, uh, because you have the same people doing everything or, um, you could feel pressure to get people into volunteer positions too yeah. quickly just because you need people. And so you compromise on yeah. other types of things that are important to consider as well. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you're breathing. Can you help in the kids yeah. ministry, please? <laughs> you want to <laughs> preach next week? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh my gosh. No, we are kidding. But, but yeah, I, I think Dave, I think those are spot spot on. I know I'm at a, at a, a smaller size church as well. And at the beginning of this year, our pastor kind of stood up and gave, you know, Hey, like, here's kind of our, our values for this next year. Like, here's the things we're going to focus on. Here's where we're going to focus, uh, you know, put our efforts and our time and our money, all of these things, like they're going to be focused around these four things. And the first thing he said was, uh, like, we're going to go crazy about the gospel. Yeah. Like you're going to hear it from me. You're going to hear it from the worship leader. You're going to hear it from the greeters. You're going to hear it from each other. Like, we're just going to be wild about the gospel because that's what we're called to do. Uh, and we've seen fruit from that. Again, we're at a smaller church this past week. We baptized like eight or nine people. Oh, that's uh, amazing. And, and I, I was sitting there thinking like a lot of these people, like they just kind of started coming around in the last several months and, and our pastor, our church making an effort to focus on the gospel. And so you kind of see growth there uh, yeah. because we're trying to fulfill the great commission. So I think that yep. that first one is spot on. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the distinctives versus the doctrine, it's like the it's, and this is what happens a, a lot of smaller churches, not all of them, but a lot of them, uh, are made up of, of an older congregation. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is sometimes where we get stuck in old ways, not that the old ways are bad, but that as we are begin to reach more and more people around us, there begin to be things that like we all have opinions about, but they're, they're really like secondary or even tertiary right. issues that, right. you know, are not, you know, like, is there too much drums or electric guitar in that song? Yeah. And we get wrapped up in that instead of the fact that like the lyrics are really glorifying to God and, <laughs> and people, yeah. you know, we're singing it and it's, yeah. and so, yeah, we, we, when we let obstacles be obstacles to the gospel that uh, are not like doctrinal or, or, you know, like primary issues yeah uh, that, that can kind of, hinder, I guess what, what we're trying to do. And then, yeah, that yep. last part of finding volunteers, uh, and, and what happens to with the, with the volunteer piece is, I think this is why it plays into smaller churches is because then when you have new people or visitors come and you have volunteers who are either, they're just like burnt out and exhausted and they're probably great volunteers, but they're just, they're just like overwhelmed and they're done. Or you have volunteers who maybe shouldn't be in the role that they're in. Like I think specifically right. of like of kids ministry or youth ministry, like yep. if you have like a bad kids ministry classroom teacher, like it makes a big yeah. difference <laughs> to, to a new family. Totally. And so it's, it's not that, you know, we don't want people to volunteer, but it's that when, when somebody who's new comes to a small church, do, is the church staying small because the experience that these people are having is, is not welcoming. Like, are we just yep. burnt out? And so we're rude or are we, you know, we're bad at the positions we're in. And so people don't feel comfortable staying. Yep. Uh, and so that's, that's where the, you know, it becomes important to like take the time and, and wait to, to find good volunteers. Um, yep. that's, no, that's good. All good points. Um, so let's move to that last part. Some telltale signs of a small church being healthy or unhealthy. We've talked a lot about this. It, it, these are probably kind of self-explanatory at this point, but let's just really nail them down. Okay. Uh, how can we know if like, if I was to visit a small church, what would be some things I should look out, look out for to know if this is a good spot for us or maybe a, a place I should avoid? Yeah. Um, okay. couple things. Uh, 
I guess the first thing that I would, if I was going to a new church, if I was moving an area into a different area or something like that, I would want to know, and you can get this by just seeing the way that, you know, the church preaches and things like that. You probably need to go more than once uh, to be able to get a good feel. But how does the church view the Bible? Yeah. Is it a platform uh, to launch into uh, something that the pastor just wants to talk about. So you, you know, you reference one verse and then you just go off into whatever it is that you want to yeah. talk about, <laughs> yeah. or is it that scripture is setting the agenda? And, um, you know, if you visit a church a couple of times, you could probably get a good feel on, on a church's view on scripture. And that's, you know, that's really important. Uh, second is the gospel clearly preached, um, is the gospel, the message of the gospel, you know, undergirding all of the motivations uh, of, um, uh, you know, motivations to holiness and things like that. Is that what's, you know, being the driving force there? Um, Third, is the church seeking to be faithful to the Great Commission? You know, is is the church, do you see, you know, that's through conversations with uh, church, uh, you know, members and stuff like that. What types of things is the church doing to be uh, faithful yeah. to the gospel and reaching yeah. other people for Christ and things like that? Um, I wrote here. Really, I, I wrote down what what I was, you know, really getting at was uh, membership, church membership. I know that a lot of churches don't do membership anymore, yeah. and I myself have had my own little personal revival in the last couple years of of seeing the absolute necessity of church membership. Um, But that uh, the church demonstrating a real covenant towards one another. And I think that, you know, I think that's expressed in membership, but I think that's important. Um, Is discipleship taking place, you know, learning to love and follow and become more like Jesus. Uh, Another one is church discipline. You know, are there, are there patterns in, uh, and procedures in the church are uh, there to be able to help with church necessary. Yeah. Lastly, you have to ask yourself if you're willing, uh, you know, willing and ready to uh, make a covenant between, you know, the Lord and to the other members that are there yeah. because you're really, uh, you're really covenanting yourself to, uh, to the other people there to do what God designed churches to do. So um, I could go into some other things. Uh, there's a couple different people. Mark Dever has written a lot about, um, you know, the marks of a good church. And he talks about nine marks, the nine marks of a good church, which I, I've mentioned some of those in, in yeah. those things that I've said. But, you know, those are good. Those are it's a good starting point. Um, yeah, totally. To look at. Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. I think you're spot on with with kind of all of those things to be on the lookout for covers everything I was going to say as well. So thank you again for coming on the show and thank you so much for your time. Thanks brother. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of the get your donut podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, rate the show and leave us a review that helps other people find us. And it lets us know how you feel about it. I hope you have an awesome day and that you never settle for anything less than all in with Jesus. Thank you.